Hey there, we're the Westlap Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Um, back from a... Is it? A, 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 is yeah, it happy? Yeah. Hap, happy <laughs> yeah. New Year, everybody. Happy <laughs> New Year. Uh, took took last week off just to kind of recharge the batteries a little bit, um, you know, and, and got kicked squat on the nuts like <laughs> yeah, three yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. just, insert, the, insert the coin into the ball yeah. kicking machine because yeah. um, pretty much, uh, yeah, so... Congratulations to Georgia winning the national championship. Great, good for them. It was a fun game. I, you guys watched it too. It was entertaining. Um, let and now we'll go for ten minutes on whether or not that was a fumble or was not a fumble by Stetson Bennett. So, which I'm sure is what the people are here for. We'll, we'll go deep yeah, on that. Yeah, hundred percent. No, if if you're looking for in depth uh, reviews of this game, um, go check out Winning Cures Everything. Those guys did a great job breaking it down or any other of the millions of college football podcasts out there. But uh, we're here to talk Northwestern. And, um, yeah, if, so... If you, ha- if not, you haven't great, guessed... Bob. Yeah, if you haven't guessed, this is going to be a... Um, just grab a grab a drink and settle in, folks. Yeah. So, pretty much the day after we published our last podcast, um, you know, we all got just absolutely shook by the news that Brandon Joseph uh, was entering the transfer portal. And, um, you know, soon to find out, you know, not too long ago, he's going to Notre Dame, um, which, you know, another coin to the ball kick machine uh, for us. Uh, Let's just hit that one on repeat. Um, Jordan Mosley enters the transfer portal and within milliseconds is signed by Mississippi State. Um, Okay, cool. Congratulations. Uh, we just found out today Hunter Johnson is entering the portal. Um, frankly, I thought he was graduating. I thought he was done. But, uh, you know, the fact that he wants to keep playing and he wants to do it not at Northwestern, um, it kind of says quite a bit as well. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, that that one is different from the other two. We'll, we'll, sure, we'll, sure. We'll break it down. But I think, like, I like obviously people are freaking out. Um I mean the Brandon Joseph news. We talked about it during the season, uh, as as things were not looking good. That, and and frankly, like it was it was thinking he might jump early for the NFL, and that it just seemed like, you know, they weren't. He wasn't being utilized in the defense in the same way. Maybe not playing to his strengths in terms of spending a lot more time close to the line of scrimmage. Something we were excited about coming into the year, by the way, but it just just didn't pan out. And then you kind of lost that opportunity that, that he demonstrated so well two years ago as a ball Hawk playing center field. Um, but I'll be honest, like we talked, we, I mean, we talked about it probably through three weeks in a row during the season, kind of alluding to like, yeah, Brandon Joseph is probably gone to the NFL or otherwise. And then the season ends and he is not one of the guys that immediately puts his name into the transfer portal. And I think that's really important for a couple of reasons. Because when it happened on December 30th, a full, what, 34 days um, from our last football game? Yeah. Um, A, if nothing else, that tells me it was a tough decision for him. But B, I think the immediate reaction of all the fans and, and this, like, you all are justified in feeling this way. I'm not telling you you shouldn't feel this way. But, like, the immediate reaction is, like, 
you know, F John O'Neill, like, like the defense is awful and this is why he's leaving. I think there's a lot more to the story than that, because if that were the case, I think his name would have been in the portal on November 24th. Right. Um, but, uh, but I don't know. And it, but like, regardless, it sucks. Um, it sucks that he's going to, a you know, a, a hated rival, if you will. Um, obviously we're, you know, we want the best for, for Brandon and we want him to, you know, presumably improve his draft stock and, you know, a number of other things have some success. Uh, maybe he can have success and the team cannot have success. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But I mean, I, you know, if, I, if you fall, if he falls in the shoes of Ben Skoranek and, you know, Ben Skoranek was not take, not going to be taken in the fifth round playing at Northwestern one more season. Yeah, true. He goes, he goes to Notre Dame, he gets picked in the fifth round and, you know, now he's in the playoffs with the, with the LA Rams. So, you know, if the same thing can happen for Joseph, that'd be awesome. Um, what is always going to chat though is, you know, whenever we see him in the NFL, it'd be Brandon Joseph, Notre Dame, he, yep. not Brandon Joseph, Northwestern. Well, and it, right. and it, and it look at like Greg Newsome, like the, the path has been, has been blazed from Northwestern, yeah. but I, it, you can't, you can't not look at the way he was deployed in this defense and um, not draw some parallels. Right. Well, that's for sure. And I think one of the things we should say that, you know, this particular set of circumstances in this whole long, crappy set of circumstances that goes right back from the Michigan State game on forward, this particular event elicited more calls to us to talk about specific topics, right? Specific underlying factors of this than any anything, really, that entire stretch, right? And I think the the thing about the Joseph thing, right, is like there's no grassy knoll here. When you start to discuss the different issues that prompted Joseph to transfer to Notre Dame, you have to step back at, at one point and go, boy, there are several issues here. And the more you think about it, you're like, yeah, there were several sensible reasons for him to do this. But I think the thing that prompted so many people to come at us being like, you know, discuss this, discuss this is you could fold it under this larger picture of this new college football landscape that we are all suddenly living in and the ability of teams to adapt or inability to adapt to what's going on and how that affects everything you're seeing. That part of that's on field, part of it's off field, right? Um, Joseph, there, there are different pieces that I think we want to go into relative to the portal, relative to NIL, but you know, one thing that's that's factoring in, right, is Scuzz is talking about, right, he didn't put his his name into the portal, right, when he could have. And we talk about discussions and everything, and it's like, well, one thing to remember when we're talking about this new landscape, Joseph has a relationship with Drew Rosenhaus, right, which is, you know, some of us are still kind of adjusting to, especially the older you are, right, the idea of, like, this is a college athlete who has a working relationship with an agent right now, and not just any agent, Drew Rosenhaus, right? Who is, as you know, I'd say cutthroat would be the most apt, you know, use for Drew Rosenhaus, but he's incredibly good at, at making money for the players that he represents, who are, you know, heretofore have almost always been pro athletes. But there's that piece, right, where he's sitting, you know, Joseph's sitting in, he's having discussions with his family, he's having discussions with Rosenhaus, and those discussions are revolving around his ability to earn money through football 
And those are high stakes discussions, right? I mean, it's it's a situation where you have a guy who is, you know, looking at the first round going into last season and then watched that all kind of go by the wayside and now is figuring out, you know, what he's got to do to get that back. And those are, I mean, these are high stakes decisions. He's got to make those moves and make them to the best of his opportunity because those are those opportunities aren't going to come around again. But again, yeah, the, it's like, the, the difference from a first round pick to like a fifth or a sixth round pick, that's like tens of millions of dollars. Right. I just want to clarify based on what we said earlier. Okay, so it's not that Brandon Joseph has hired Drew Rosenhaus as his agent. because He can't do that except for NIL representation. So he has hired Brandon Drew Rosenhaus and Rosenhaus Sports specifically to help him for NIL representation. Okay, but again, Drew Rosenhaus is Greg Newsom's agent, right? So these kind of inroads are being made. And this is that weird landscape that we're in right now, right? Where it's like Drew Rosenhaus isn't his agent, but he is Greg Newsom's agent. He only represents Brandon Joseph for NIL. But, you know, these these inroads are being made, right? It's this whole new landscape. And, you know, you'd be a fool to think, right, that Rosenhaus Sports is not looking to Brandon Joseph and being like, look, like in terms of earning potential, in terms of whatever, like it's factoring into the discussions, right? But the bottom line is, right, like we said, Brandon Joseph's got to make these these moves and figure out the best piece on, you know, with the portal available to him and in a way that it wasn't available to past athletes, making the move and making a switch that's going to be best for him right now. And again, it folds into this whole piece of this is the new world we live in right now. And where and how does Northwestern fit into this world? And that that's the hard that's like the existential crisis right now because Joseph is like far and away the most heralded Northwestern athlete on the football front to transfer in this way, right? Um and pre- presumably for a combination of NIL draft stock um you know, the ability to compete for a national championship is something he cited in his social media. Like those, those reasons are things that, you know, prominent players we've lost before. Venrick Mark is one, um, who obviously had some family stuff going on, had, you know, had a suspension at the Northwestern, et cetera, before transferring. Um, I think Lauren Howard is another, you know, high profile, player who transferred after after a really strong freshman year went to arizona state if i recall um but he went and he went home right yep he went home he had but he had some injury issues and like this is this is huge and it and it kind of shoots a torpedo in or, or a broadside i should say in into the 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 mantra that fits and this program have been selling of ready for the league ready for life you know, like I think that's still true, but I think the point you're making, John, is that the transfer portal enables mobility in a way that when Northwestern has has an off year or things aren't just quite fitting, like even though there's been, you know, plenty of cases of guys going to the league in the past and the fact that this program can develop players for the league, um this 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 opens Northwestern up to a lot of risk and this is a school that only offers a very small select group of of players from a scholarship perspective some of that is athletics some of that is just like we think that's the right strategy for northwestern and it 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 puts a a question mark i think around a lot of elements and components of this program and you know some of the some of the harsher takes out there have made comments like you know 
Pat Fitzgerald's uh, Northwestern crumbling around him. Uh, I think that was the the, the line on off tackle empire uh, that I saw earlier today, and it's you know I, I don't I don't think we're quite at that stage yet. I think mean, like this is this is not a fire pits fits conversation that we're going to be having here, um, but I think there's a lot of concern around how and if Northwestern can adapt to the new realities of the transfer portal and NIL. I think there are questions. We have no hard evidence on this, but like it stands to reason that as a pretty old school dude, that like NIL is not the first thing on Fitz's mind when he's, when he's thinking about what he needs to do for his players and for his program and, and like being proactive about helping guys set stuff up or being creative in that space. I think that's where Northwestern needs to get to. And I like I don't know that they have the will or the wherewithal to do it. And also, I, I think it's very difficult at Northwestern for a number of reasons. I mean, Chicago is such a pro sports town. Like you're not going to get the the local car dealership, you know, nil opportunities, right? I mean, maybe Evanston Subaru uh, might like that crazy guy might. Uh, given NIL to, to a player or two, but like you're not getting in, on the Chicago airwaves with, you know, a Northwestern athlete to sell your product. Compare and contrast that to an Ann Arbor or a Columbus or a Madison, like lo- not Chicago metropolitan cities, but large cities where the college at the center of it commands huge influence. I mean, like, is you know that's yeah. n- the number one thing in town. I, I guess I would I would counter with this though. I mean, the bottom line is this is the third largest media market in the country, and his name is on the side of the stadium. It should be a layup. Well, I guess my, I, so my so I, is, I just I disagree. It's never going to be a layup, and I think well, I think I think you layup. only have to look at Northwestern marketing writ large, like to see the parallels there. But I think the opportunity there's a huge opportunity to be creative and be on the front foot here, absolutely, and, and progressive and like everybody's figuring this out. I've, I've read a lot of articles about NIL in the last 72 hours <laughs> preparing for this conversation. And one of the <laughs> one of the huge points, even from as like mid season, I think only something like roughly half of of college athletes have engaged in some sort of NIL at this stage. And there's, um, it's an extremely inefficient and imperfect market right now because most of these players do not have representation for that for their NIL. They do not have experience um, branding themselves. Uh, you, you know, there's stories of of some players who've been, you know, fortuitous enough whether they're getting advice from their parents or you know or or just figuring it out on their own or or whatever. Like, have reached out to to entities and have established relationships. Obviously, high-profile players like a Brandon Joseph or, uh, you know, Bryce Young uh, has has got a number. Of, yeah, I think I think Saban talked about him. You know, getting close to a million dollars in sponsorships uh, before the beginning of the season. Like, obviously, those players are going to be coveted and going to be sought out by other entities. But if if the school, if the staff, if the compliance office, like if they're not taking a taking an active step to help the players get engaged in this space, and they're not being thoughtful about how do we engage the community, how do we build up demand and interest in working with our players for NIL, there's going to be a huge gap there and players are basically basically going to be trying to figure it out on their own. And that's a huge miss in, in a brand new uh, uh, landscape and, and, and ecosystem. Exactly. And I think the, 
the tricky thing is, as you said, right, everyone's figuring this out. No one's doing it perfectly right now. But you can look at the numbers in a couple of different ways, right? And, you know, you were talking about it, Scuzz. You found some stuff you were sharing with us. One thing that's clear is that Northwestern is not a leader in this space, right? I mean, we can speculate about all the other parts, whys and wherever, but there's no speculating about the fact that Northwestern's not a leader in this space. You can just look at the numbers. I mean, it's like so, North. So, <laughs> so let, I, let, let me just pull this pull this up. So I, I dug around in two specific places. Um, the first is like uh, this this website nilcollegeathletes.com. Um, presumably is is uh, getting information from some of these marketplaces or some of these you know digital uh, you know two-way marketplaces where basically athletes can sign up and then, um, you know, entities that want to, that want to, um, engage those athletes in branding opportunities, log in, right. And so like, they're able to, to connect and sign on the dotted line and do all that stuff. And presumably there's a mechanism to trade funds and stuff back and forth, but there's a limited amount of reporting that comes out of there too. So, uh, this NIL college athletes.com has got, you know, a list of all the universities and a count of the number of, NIL deals that have been signed by all the athletes there. I'll tell you, so th- this obviously is a subset of all the NIL activity, but, you know, if you just take it on its face and think, yeah, this is probably, you know, somewhat proportional to what we see, you know, in, in the whole NIL uh, pie, if you will. Northwestern's second to last in the Big Ten. It's really not a surprise. Um, roughly a third of the deals that uh, Ohio State uh, has at this stage. I think what's a little bit more concerning to me is when you look at Boston College, Stanford, Cal, Duke, and Notre Dame. Northwestern is lagging those schools by about twenty percent, um, and it just it just kind of speaks to this broader question that like we're we're making this assumption, but it but it's kind of bearing out in the numbers that like I don't think Northwestern's on the front foot of helping helping their athletes figure this out i i I now have a fan account on uh open doors which is another one of these marketplaces um so i guess i could i could queue up like a cameo style video from from someone um i searched for northwestern student athletes there are eight with a profile on open doors um i couldn't count because it was there were too many pages but i'm pretty sure there's over a thousand student athletes from ohio state with profiles on open doors um, Duke has about seven times the number of profiles as Northwestern. Uh, Notre Dame only only maybe four uh, x, but like like I realize that I'm, that these are you know disparate data points, but um, I've seen nothing to 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 counter this to to indicate that Northwestern is anything but lagging uh, their peer schools both in the conference and from you know the academic Power Five standpoint in thinking creatively and, and getting on a front foot on this, on this. And it, it, it feels like a, uh, feels like a slippery slope, frankly, and a, and a scary one. It's annoying too, because Northwestern is such a leader in, in other areas, right? I mean, specifically in, it's so funny, the whole, like prepare you for 40 years, pre- you know, preparing you for the, you know, the, the rest of your life, right? Four years, four years four, for four years, years for 40. Let's right? just cut to the chase. That's about money. We're trying to get guys into, I mean, yes, you're preparing them to be good men and everything, but you're preparing them to have strong careers and be, you know, members of society and the workforce and like, you know, build lives, right? Which takes money. And like Northwestern has, has been such a good 
factor in that and with like mentorship right with former athletes who you know work at companies and things like that where these guys can intern and build connections and all these things and it's like not to be crass but it's like all of us who are out in the working world it's like about getting money and supporting your family and building a life right and it's it suddenly in a way kind of feels like now all of a sudden we're taking like a narrow view of like how you can make money and when you can make money. And it's like, again, Northwestern's a leader in this space. Northwestern has Kellogg, right? That's, that's well, the part that always kills me. I, I remember yeah. when we were in school and uh, yeah. there was like, you you literally couldn't get an undergraduate major in business at Northwestern. And and yet Kellogg is right there on campus. Um, right. This this feels like that. Like there are so many, you could, you could tap into a whole bunch of, undergrads, grad students, et cetera, to just partner with the athletic department and help figure some of this out. I bet there's a whole bunch of athletes, student athletes that have um, plenty of uh, really salient thoughts in this space um, and could help help figure this out. And it just, just feels like we're a little bit behind the eight ball. And that doesn't, that's not to say that Northwestern can't catch up or can't make a meaningful splash here, but um, feels like they got to do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. And you know, it, like and the rules are yeah, different, true. You know, right That's now true. in every state has different rules, so it's like, you know, what works in Illinois is completely different than what works in Indiana. So, you know, a guy like Joseph who has, and I, I don't know the ins and outs of, of the of the NIL statutes because, by God, reading law statute, no, thank you, just no. But they're all different, and it, until there's some sort of overarching policy. Right, and the NCAA is keep you know keeps waiting for Congress to put something together, and we all know what waiting on Congress to do anything does. Um, you know, so nothing anytime soon is ever going to happen on that front. But like with the rules different in every different state, you know, it's not a, like that's an uneven playing field on I'll that t- front as well. I'll say this though, like, and I guess this would be kind of a charitable way to to put this, right? I mean regardless of and again like we said this earlier right like we don't know the machinations behind the scenes we don't know just how involved northwestern is etc but what i would say is true right is that fits mr you know if i could throw all of my players cell phones into lake michigan i would do it right public comment (laughs) right like like these kind of things right no one needs to be course correcting on perception relative to how other people would perceive his views of NIL than Pat Fitzgerald right now, because the vibe is right. Um, the, you know, the, the feel is this is not a place where it's like freewheeling dealing, you know, get yours. Right. And I think that you know that matters because there is a piece of that and it does run in the face of all these other steps that northwestern's doing and just the way that northwestern the university is a leader in a million things in a million departments and subjects right and entities um and that there are there are kind of so many opportunities i mean again i i go back to the joseph thing and you're right about the fact that north that chicago is a pro sports town and it's true um and joseph's not a quarterback but I just can't get over that, you know, he may potentially be having conversations with Drew Rosenhaus where Drew Rosenhaus is saying, look, you know, I, you know, we your name's on the side of the stadium in Chicago and we've not been able to make hay here for a year. And 
we feel that we can make hay, you know, in another environment. And again, I'm not saying we 100% know this. Um, we have like these, you know, this is speculation. We have heard from sources to the extent that we have sources um, who, you know, have taken kind of a dim view who are like, yeah, the picture relative to NIL and Northwestern is not good right now. And then we're looking at these stats, you know, that SCUS is finding that certainly seem to be supporting this and being like, this seems to be something that not only needs to be course corrected, it needs to be course corrected publicly. Um, and it's, it's really funny. I was, this is, you know, starts unrelated, but becomes related. I actually wrote a profile um, about a month ago for a Chicago area NFT, I'll call him an NFT impresario named Crypto Novo. I wrote it for Cointelegraph.com and you can go look it up. This is a guy who's made millions in the NFT space and he is one of these cheerleader you know, figures, almost like a, a, a cartoon-like figure, but is a real mover and shaker doing deals, everything in the NFT space. And I interviewed this guy and he is the kind of person who is a fountain of ideas. And for all of you who are like NFTs, you know, how would NFTs work? How would NFTs factor into NIL, right? This guy is the kind of guy who blows your doors off because I think a lot of us, I mean, and again, I, you know, we're in our 40s for you who are younger like this, you know, you may have more of this, but, you know, there's that idea that NIL is like, get, you know, we even talked about it earlier, get it, get Evanston Subaru, right? Get an endorsement with the local car dealership, get this and that. And that's what a lot of it's been so far. NIL could be anything. It is your ability to profit off of yourself. And NFTs are, are an example of that, right? Where it's like, there's, you know, I'm just throwing out a situation, right? But you have a situation where like, guys can mint virtual football cards of themselves and then take a percentage anytime that card is sold or resold and make money that way. And, there any, and I only know this because this guy, Crypto Novo, sat me down and was a fountain of these kind of things relative to college athletes. And the reason I bring all of this up is without getting specific, Crypto Novo has a connection to the Northwestern football program. And he's talking to all this stuff and me being like, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. You ought to go and, you know, and he's telling me, he's like, you ought to go down to Fitz and do this. And all I'm thinking, and again, this goes to that perception thing is, I'm not going to get my foot in the front door if I try to come at Fitz with some of these ideas. Maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, right? But that's the perception. And perception is reality to an extent. And I think that's kind of where we are right now. That's what kind of is is grinding us a little bit, right? That Northwestern, one of the most innovative institutions in the world, is not a leader in this space right now. I will throw out one thing. So, like, so Sam, you brought up the, the state by state stuff, and I did a little digging here as 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 we're talking. There's an article now. This is from October of last year, uh, 2021, in the Washington Post, um, and it's uh, <laughs> uh, interviewing our old friends from the uh, from the NCPA. Um, and uh, Ramogi Huma, um, <laughs> and uh, but they they basically have a rating of the laws state by a rating of the states uh, based on the laws. Um, and uh, Illinois is one of the three lowest states that gets rated, and it's because they are flagged for twelve restrict, restrictive aspects of their law. Uh, among them uh, includes a market cap that can limit athletes' NIL pay. It does not allow for uh, NIL deals for recruits until they enroll, and it does not allow. Uh, NID, NIL deals that continue after an athlete transfers. Um, 
And I guess like what's what's worth pointing out here is so interestingly, Illinois is down amongst like all the SEC schools or all the SEC states um, who were you know you know super opposed to, to NIL uh, from from the get go. Um, but th- I mean, this could partially explain why Northwestern lags some of their some of their Big Ten brethren, some of the uh, academic uh, schools brethren. Ohio is um, in the top ten, so is Michigan. Um, pen- uh, num- Who's number uh, one? New Mexico. Just out of curiosity. New Mexico's number one, and then Maryland's number huh. two. Um, Missouri, Oregon, California, Nebraska. So, like, but the the point here though is like there there is probably some some structural um, state based you know overhead here that Northwestern can't punch through. But that like it just underscores that Northwestern needs to be even more creative. I mean, like Northwestern has to be creative in the way they recruit, in the way they offer scholarships, in the way they evaluate talent. Um, because you know, they're they're operating at a disadvantage with regard to, or they would call it an advantage, the the way that um, uh, academics plays in with with what we do on the on the athletic side, and they need to be creative in this space too. And that you know, going to give a little grace that will take time to figure out. This is the first year that this is happening. Um, hopefully, they have a better plan going into twenty twenty two. But um, but yeah, for all the reasons that, that we mentioned, I mean, this, this should be something that Northwestern can figure out and can do well with. Well, the other thing, too, I mean, like we should say, right, we talked about it off the top, but let's just circle around and say, in Brandon Joseph's case, this is almost certainly a football decision first. There's an NIL piece of it, potentially, but this is about football, right? Like he's got to greatly improve his football situation to improve his draft stock so he can get better drafted, right? We're... We're not saying this is NIL driving the decision. And NIL may be a piece of it, maybe a large piece of it, maybe a small piece. We have no idea, right? We're speculating. We know that he works with Drew Rosenhaus for NIL, right? And the obviously, I mean, I'm like, this is not the time to relitigate the disaster that was Northwestern's defense in 2021. It didn't serve Brandon Joseph just like it didn't serve any of us, okay? Um, and he needs to improve his situation. With all of that said, so many of you were like, talk about NIL on this pod because of that thing. And what that should tell you is there's a big NIL piece out there right now that is directly connected to the transfer portal in general and this new landscape that people are ascribing right or wrong to the entire landscape. And that's perception. And perception is recruiting and perception is hanging on to recruits. And you have to fight it. Whether you think it's BS or not, you have to, in this new world where suddenly NIL's on everyone's lips, be someone who is like, we're a leader in NIL. And Northwestern, and you know, Fitz, whether he's dragged kicking and screaming or not, like Northwestern's going to have to not only jump into this world, but become a leader in this space. The related piece too, and and Sam, I think you mentioned it early on, earlier on, is the portal aspect to it, and that other side of this new landscape, right? And you talked about it that Northwestern puts so much work into identifying high school players, and gives out. I think what is it year year to year? I think if you take like a 
it's, one of the, it's one of the Stanford, I think, in a 10-year stretch, offers. Stanford's the only one offering less, right? I mean, we offer almost such a smaller amount, right? Like, schools like 50, Iowa... 50, 50 per year, does that sound right? Some, it's, it might even be less. It might... You, it's, it, it's small. Yeah. It, so, schools like that, Iowa State... It, schools like Iowa State yeah. offer minimum six times the scholarships we offer. Um, like right. 350, exactly. I think, was what I... Right. And a couple years I mean, ago. we've talked about this plenty, but like the research it takes to identify. And then the flip side of it, we talked to, to families of incoming recruits, right? Who are like the personal attention we get from the coaching staff and from Fitz is so incredible because they work. And all that time that other schools are, are, are taking, casting that super wide net, Northwestern might be hampered. By certain by standards and academics and everything, but they're also laser focused on the guys that they want, and that really matters and everything. And on one hand, there is that piece. I mean, we all have to be honest with ourselves, even if we feel guilty about it, right? Where any guy who transfers out of Northwestern, you're like, you had all that and you chose to transfer somewhere else, right? That's not a good instinct, right? Like a guy like Brandon and Brandon Joseph, he has to make important. Ben Skoranek, right? Ben Skoranek didn't know Peyton Ramsey was coming in. And Ben Skoranek, you know, had to make a decision that ultimately led him to the NFL, right? Um, but I, That was such a fundamentally different situation from, from Joseph, though. Because remember, like, Skoranek yeah. went and got his um, – he got, he got profiled. And the NFL was like, we're not sure if you're a tight end or a wide receiver. And he was like, ooh. If I, if, I mean, if he stayed at Northwestern, that may have still been a question. Oh, yeah. I would say, though, like the common thread being the high stakes, right? Like, I sure. mean, like it's we're talking about NFL futures regardless, right? Um, but as a Northwestern fan, like, yeah, it still stings because you're like, you like, look at what Northwestern put into you, right? And again, like this is not like sour grapes. It's just that instinct we all feel that is a result of all of the care and effort Northwestern puts in. But it is what it is. Right. And it is this wild situation where now there's this new landscape where guys can leave. Guys may just decide to go home. Right. Like um, a, a guy like Eculiota may just decide, look, like I need to go south. Like, yes, I can go to Auburn, but I'm going to go get closer to my family. Right. Um, and. And like la last year was was weird because of the weirdness of the COVID year. And we did see a lot of more people going home. But like. This year, maybe not. It's still weird, I, Sammy. Like, still weird. I, I, we, we, it, no, it, it, is, it is definitely still weird. But, like, everyone's reasons are still different. And, you know, every person has their own reasons for sure. transferring. So it's not necessarily, like, everyone is trying to get to the best school. Right. Like, you know, some people are trying to get improve their draft stock. And other people are trying to get home. And other people have a, a bad relationship with a coach or something. Who knows? Like, I'm just making those up off the top of my head. Like, I don't know anything about anyone's reasons for transferring, but, like, right. everyone has and their own the, reasons. And the problem is, right, relative to this system Northwestern has sculpted over decades, is you're going to have to replace those guys with other guys from the portal, and you just can't build those relationships the same way you built them with high school guys. Or, or if you can, that apparatus is not time-tested, Right. And it's it's going to be really hard. I think you know we've looked in the in the portal, right? 
um, trying to think of guys we'd get back from the portal and trying to gauge based off of what the relationship was like coming out of high school, right? With a guy like a Zach Calzada, for example, be right and being like, hey, he visited, right? There is a relationship there. What is that relationship? And, you know, him picking a, a different school than Northwestern to transfer to isn't necessarily a statement down on that relationship. It's just like, that's the only place we really have to go to evaluate off of this. Like, I don't really know how Northwestern does it. Or like, it's it's funny, I was thinking about the academic piece of it, right? And being, because I think a lot of you are saying, well, I bet you the academic standards aren't necessarily as high for an incoming, um, you know, an incoming football player as they would be for a player coming out of high school. And look, that's probably true. We don't have the numbers. It bears mentioning the academic standards are not as high for a student transferring into Northwestern as they are for a student coming out of high school. I think Northwestern has something like a 9% acceptance rate for high school students and like a 15% acceptance rate for transfers, right? Because it's just different. It's all different. You're dealing with college transcripts and college grades, etc. Um, anybody getting bent out of shape that, about that right now, by the way? Like that was true when John and I were in school. Right. I knew I knew a lot of people from high school that want to go to Notre Dame. And basically, if you didn't get to Notre Dame – the alternative plan was go to go to Loyola or another Jesuit school and then transfer after a year or two, right? Um, so I mean, th- these these sorts of strategies have been around a long, long sure. time. Is the only the only point I'm trying to make there. But um, but it's suddenly Northwestern is having to dip its toe into those waters, and I think a- after being on the forefront of four-year scholarships and like like they've built all this infrastructure not just around the careful identification of players. But but the the commitment to to, you know, those players being at Northwestern and and, uh, you get injured, we're going to we're going to honor your scholarship, et cetera. And you're you're seeing college football almost shift more towards. I mean, it's not one and done like you can go to the league, but it is it is much more fluid and open a la college basketball. And that is probably not a net positive for Northwestern the way we're structured today. It's and then, you know, the whole fits piece of it, and this is what has everyone tearing their hair out, right? Is like Northwestern's not negotiating from a position of strength right now, right? Now, you could argue that in this new landscape, Northwestern was going to coast along until Northwestern had its first bad season and then have to deal with this all. Well, that yeah. was a real short trip, because here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a, that's a really good point though, John, because like this was gonna hit at some point. I think like my, what has me spooked right now, and and at, it it both has me spooked and also is is kind of like a okay let me let me step back for a minute because it it feels like the program is is dealing with just a just a torrent of like new issues so nil like we've talked about portal like we've talked about raised expectations frankly around um you know the team essentially being expected to compete for the West every year which I think is warranted and fine and healthy um but then you layer in the 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 changes in the administration and the athletic department you layer in the changes at both of the coordinator positions um and just like compare that to what the the 12 years of stability where nary a, nary a position coach changed at Northwestern between what 08 and and 2018 or something um uh, don't 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 forget the uh, the drive for a new stadium and like the expectations that come along with yes you know trying to get people Char- to yes. donate Char- for trying a new to get people to purchase two thousand dollar 
whatever it is, packages or seat licenses or anything that was in that poll. So, so like simultaneously, you know, as a fan, I'm sitting back and looking at all this and thinking we're effed. Like, how can we possibly adapt to all this and solve all this? And, you know, like Northwestern is headed back down uh, into a bad place, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then simultaneously thinking like, okay, let me not overreact because there is so much. And, you know, Derek Gregg is a very capable athletic director. You know, Fitz has dealt with change and issues and problems before. Like, um, I think I, I forget who said it. One of our, one of our followers on Twitter said this, like, these, these guys aren't, you know, signing up at Northwestern to be, to be losers and to just like accept this and be like, well, I guess we're going to suck again. Like these are smart individuals with strong career tracks and they're going to do their damnedest to turn it around. It might take a couple of years, but Northwestern will, will get back to a sense of good. For sure. And I think the, the with that, the, the consternation, right. And the difficult part is Northwestern has a, a bunch of stuff that has to get fixed right now, purely from a football perspective, right. Which, I mean, we haven't talked about it yet and we'll get to it, but like next year's schedule ain't doing us favors in that department. Um, and, nope. and, um, and then there's this other piece of it too, right? Where it's like from a long-term perspective of adjusting to this new landscape, Northwestern's got to do a lot of it too. And a lot of you are like, Fitz ain't going to change. And it's like, well, I mean, Fitz is going to have to change. Like this doesn't, like this is one of those situations where there's no, there's no half-ass or being stubborn here. Like, you know, it's, it's, the wolves are at the gate. Like it's, this is it's the new, this is the new reality. Yeah. Right. But the other part of it too is like, Pat Fitzgerald is, is a good program builder and a good football coach. It It's not necessarily on him to suddenly become the wizard of NIL and <laughs> NFTs and all of these different things. He should be open to Northwestern leveraging the brilliant people at Northwestern to helping game out solutions to this. 100%. That's what I would say. That's what I would say. And those people could be at Kellogg. Those people could be in the computer science department. Those people could be anywhere, but Northwestern's filled with people with ideas. And you know, you want to, you want to use that. I wonder how much of that has to, I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that we have a new AD who's trying to get his feet wet and like a change in the org, uh, leadership of the athletic department. We're going to have a new president uh, coming in uh, next year. So it's like the change in the upper leadership at the school, there's a lot of flux going on. So I wonder if that has, I mean, I'm sure, it, it I'm well. sure it does. I think, I think, I think Greg, right. Like, like the change in the athletic department is cause, cause this NIL, and this is not just a football issue. I mean, football is, I want to no. say football is like 35% of the deals that have been inked thus far. If I'm remembering my stats from earlier today, but, um, so it's, it's the biggest sport, certainly, um, but it's not the only one that is affected. And if you look at the NU players that that have uh, NIL deals right now, there's a lot of uh, female athletes. There's a lot of uh, male athletes in non-revenue sports, and that's you know that's the way it should be, and that's really really good. It's part of the beauty of NIL. Um, but I like uh, to to use a similar example. You know, John talked quite a bit about Northwestern's recruiting strategy and the way they focus on players. Part of that is a small company called Z Recruit, which was started by Northwestern students and is a machine learning approach to assessing the likelihood, the propensity of a potential recruit to come to your school. And that is one of the tools that Northwestern has been using for years um, and, and was 
one of the first schools to be using uh, Z Recruit. Z Recruit, you know, works with a ton of uh, college schools, uh, colleges now. It's not just Northwestern, but um, but it's a, it's a perfect example. And so, like aspiring NU students out there, like if you if you can help figure out the right you know approach and the creative ways to to uh, help uh, your your fellow. Uh, Northwestern students and athletes take advantage of, of NIL and uh, like, it's a great opportunity. The, the, the landscape is wide open. It's funny. I think of, of Dartmouth, right. Who's, you know, racked up a bunch of Ivy league titles over like the past decade, but they also like, were one of the first teams to go to, I think to like contactless practices. And part of that was that mobile tackling dummy that I think like the Dartmouth engineering school put together for them. Right. That they kind of pioneered. That they kind of pioneered, right? And it's like at some point the the coaches the coaches at Dartmouth were like, "Well, shit, we're at Dartmouth. I'm sure they can create something for us," and they did. And that was and that's the <laughs> the the same kind of thing. One thing I suppose to kind of put a bow on this a little bit, right? Um, we talked that that all this that we we released the pod. Joseph went into the portal the next day. The day after that was New Year's, right? And on New Year's Eve. I put out a couple of tweets that ended up being lightning rods. I was just stupid too, because Scuzz immediately was like, oh, here we go. And I was like, oh, you're right. And it was like, <laughs> it was, and, and what the funny thing was, was the, the main tweet that I put out basically was just like, despite all of this, if you look at the stats, Pat Fitzgerald has never turned in back-to-back stinkers. Like he just hasn't done it in his basically two decades of coaching at Northwestern. He's, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know, 2014 might want a word. Well, but I, five, I think, five and seven, five and seven is the I think, closest you have, right? I, I, I think well, the way you couched it, though, is like like after a bad year, Northwestern hasn't gotten worse. Right. And, and that's, that's thing, and that's right? very true, because like in that 2014 year, which is I think the closest that we've come to that, um, we beat Notre Dame, right? Um, there were some other just like head-scratching horrific losses there. but um, But the point is, is like, the the history of the Fitz tenure would would point to a a a rebound of sorts next year, right? And I think and I think a lot of people immediately and it became this almost me, back and forth, right? Me, because me, inc- me included, <laughs> right? Because we started out in Scuzz included because that tweet started out getting ratioed, and then it had the the run of all the people coming to Fitz's defense that kind of reverse ratioed and ended up becoming like almost like a battlefield tweet that was not my intent, and it wasn't my intent to be all glass half full on fits at the time my brain and this is you know why we're kind of arriving here through all of this was kind of being like it is so easy right now with everything coming on this year to focus on shortcomings perceived or otherwise that fits has right now right um inability to change you know the hiring of o'neill right everything everything that happened on the field you know, not subbing in guys, not playing enough guys, all these things, right? And being like, well, let's let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here, right? Like, Fitz is great at certain things. And one of them, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, is like, no one's better at getting his team that is not expected to do much to feel like they are disrespected by the world and coaxing more out of them. I'm not saying it'll happen. I'm just saying it's one of those things where it's like, Honestly, I've been at the head of the line of anybody being like, boy, Fitz, rough year for you, buddy. Um, and, be, and, and you know, just trying to keep that level and be like, but hey, there's a reason. 
This guy is one of the most respected coaches in the entire country. And one of them is his ability to specifically build and dig out of holes like this. Now, a ton of people, including high-profile people in the Northwestern family, came back on that tweet with basically being like, yes, but. And the yes, but is, to the point of everything we've talked about up until this point, a lot of people have not seen storm clouds like this that they can remember seeing following a season in a long time. A lot of people can't remember a year that bad and a, and a group of things happening coming out of that year that are that bad. So, I mean, we get it. Like, we're all there. And that's why Scuzz, that's why Scuzz was like, eh, no. And I was like, yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I get it. And that's, this is where we are. Like, we're in a dark place <laughs> and we're going to see. Fitz says he's been able to do it in the past. I can't imagine it's ever been as difficult as this. And uh, we're going to see if he can pull it off. Well, and to that, I mean, in, in a similar vein, right? Like we'd spend a lot of time talking about NIL and like our sense that Northwestern's behind the eight ball and needs to needs to fix that. NIL has also only existed since July 1st. It's been six. It's been six and a half months. Right. So like it is still early, early days. There's a lot of opportunity to adapt and adjust and, and, and figure things out. Um, I think you know, there's an uphill battle next year with, with the returning personnel. Obviously, you know, nobody has any faith in the coaching, uh, in the, in the coordinators, uh, on either side of the ball right now, I think in the Northwestern fan base, um, so there's a lot of uphill battles, but to John's point, like nobody does, nobody believes in us better than, than, than fit. So, um, that's, you know, a, gl- a glimmer of hope for the future. I was um, gonna say. I was gonna say. Keep that glimmer alive because we got a long way to go to get to next season. Yeah, and, I mean, it might might be might yeah, be twenty twenty three. I, 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 I do want to we'll move. See. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I I do want to move on, but uh, before we do, um, you know, hopefully this conversation was beneficial to to you, the listener. If you liked what you were hearing, uh, email us westlawpirates at gmail Reach out to us on Twitter at westlawpirates. Um, you know, continue the conversation because we had this conversation because you reached out to us asking for our thoughts on this. And, you know, we really appreciate that. And thank you for the engagement from our listeners. And, um, you know, please keep doing that. And, you know, we're in the off season of football. Basketball is happening. Um, as, for as for better as or for speak. worse. Basketball is happening. <laughs> right. And that's a whole other story. But, um, you know, keep keep hitting us up with uh, things that you want us to talk about, and we are very very much open to that uh, to that feedback. Um, do you want to mention real quick that uh, there has been an adjustment to the Northwestern football schedule? That's a nice, you know, we that's talked a nice about youth, difficulties yeah, nice going into next year. Adjustment. Sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, like we we already knew that next year was going to be a, a rough one. Uh, what with the schedule that we had, um, you know, Ohio State at home, at Iowa, Wisconsin at home, um, you know, Purdue's on the upswing, Illinois, you know, is playing better, Minnesota's playing better. Um, and then, you know, a couple days, like yesterday, I think I saw a tweet that they were coming out with a new uh, Big Ten 2022 schedule. And I'm like, wait, what? Huh? Um, and it, t- it turns out like they wanted to make sure that with all of the changes that they had to do in 2020 last year, um, you know, they wanted to make sure like Illinois and Penn state didn't play three years in a row. They wanted to make sure that the home and roads, you know, were being evened out. And, you know, with that, they, you know, made a bunch of different changes to the, the, when things were happening, 
uh, when game, certain games were happening and you know locations of certain games. Uh, and they made a switch. Uh, they took Il- Indiana off of our schedule um, in Indiana team, which was just we were talking awful right in, uh, in what was it? And, uh, who was its who was its rankings? They're one of the only Power Five teams ranked lower than Northwestern, right? Yes, yes. Um, so we uh, lose a trip to Bloomington, but pick up a trip to Happy Valley. Uh, we were supposed to play Penn State in 2020. Um, obviously, with the with the COVID schedule, that that changed, and we lost that game with Penn State. So this is the replacement of that Penn State game from 2020. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just gonna run through the schedule real quick, and let me know where where you see like a chance to take a breath. Uh, open the season. We, you know, it's the next college football game to be played is in Dublin, Northwestern versus Nebraska, uh, a Nebraska team that just brought in, uh, the, the yeah, transfer quarterback from Texas. I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to yeah. think about that yet. Carry on. Fair enough. Um, then we, uh, we have a week off to get over jet lag, uh, play Duke at home, Southern Illinois at home, uh, That's Miami, your, Ohio. I'm taking at home. my breath right now, and now I'm going to hold it. I, well, and and but but you're taking <laughs> okay. your breath on a Southern Illinois team that is never a pushover, and a Miami team that won a bowl game, and a Duke yep. team that beat us. The, and that and with that, we come to the end of the good part. <laughs> <laughs> October first at Penn State. October eighth, home against Wisconsin. Uh, bye week to lick our wounds. Then we travel to Maryland, travel to Iowa, home for Ohio State, at Minnesota, at Purdue, home for Illinois. There's a lot of road. I like, mean, the lot of road games. Um, you know, the the Nebraska game was supposed to be a home game. It's a road game. Uh, this is a season that we were, you know, doing five Big Ten road games anyway. So it, it's this is brutal. It's absolutely brutal. I mean, I, we we took so much heat for our optimistic forecast last year. And, you know, we're still going to see how this whole offseason plays out, right? And um, we're always going to try to be optimistic. And I, I guess I would frame it right now that we're going to do everything we can and, and you know, to, to find belief. And, and the team is going to do everything it can. And Fitz is going to do everything he can to find as many wins above the floor of this season as possible. But I think we're all staring into the void right now, and we all know what the floor of this season is, and it's way down there. So, um, yeah, this is this is where we are. And, I mean, it was just, this came out today, and at this point it just feels like one more thing again and again, right? So, but we're going we're gonna to soldier through. Looking at the schedule, speaking of soldier, looking at the schedule, this <laughs> totally reads like a schedule that was not supposed to be played at Ryan Field this year. Um, you know, this goes back to to our theory that construction on the new stadium should have started already. And I think if everything had gone according to plan, would have started this season. So, you know, you look at this game or you look at these home games against Wisconsin, Ohio State, Illinois. You know, imagine you're, you're you're thinking we're not playing at home, so you know they're basically going to be road games anyway. You know, we're going to take these to Soldier Field, right? And you know, we're, we're going to try to bring in as big of a crowd as possible, which you're going to do with Wisconsin, Ohio State, and you know, it, it is Thanksgiving weekend, and you know, Illinois has tried to play us at Soldier Field before, and that hasn't 
gone great for them. But, you know, it this reads like a schedule that it's, was not supposed to be played at Ryan Field. It's, we have no information. It's really not. hard not to tinfoil hat when you look at the schedule. I mean, it's just you couldn't lab create a schedule designed to do a stadium renovation any better than this. So, yeah, I, again, who knows? It's just, but yeah. Either way, though, it's right. It's going to feel like we don't have a lot of home games, and it's not exactly a great piece to throw on top of everything else. Or it's you know, kind of just take all your lumps in one in one spot, right? I mean, is it, like yeah, let's get it out, yeah. get let's it over get it with, all. you know, um, and and then go on the road for two seasons while they uh, uh, rebuild okay. the stadium. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. God, how. Are you, yeah. Sorry, sorry. This is what we're saying. That's right. That's right, all of you. Give us crap for being too positive now. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. No, we're, we're all going to get through it. We are going to get through it. We have Veronica Burton. She's going to get us through the winter, right? And well, uh, Not, not and, according to the uh, NCAA uh, awards trackers. Yeah, She's not. Seriously. Thanks. Thanks for some Veronica Burton disrespect on top of everything else. But whatever. We all saw what happened in yeah. Iowa. We know who we have in Veronica Yeah, Burton. Irritate Veronica Burton at your own risk because uh, she will <laughs> yes. eviscerate you personally. Right. So we have that. That's going to get us. Then we have NU Lax, NU Softball going to get us through the spring. It'll be the summer. We're going to make it, people. We're going to get through. We're all going to get through together. Uh, we're, we'll find our silver linings. <sighs> all right. Um, you know, at... I don't want to drag this out much longer. Uh, men's basketball is currently playing. 4.38 left in the second half, uh, trailing Maryland by one, uh, a game that's really just been back and forth the whole way. Um, haven't obviously been able to watch it. I've just kind of been watching it on the GameCast as we've been uh, recording. So, you know, not really seeing all the ins and outs of what's been going on in, in this game. But uh, yeah, well, so, so, uh, something I want to bring up, and this is, you know, also something that happened since our last pod. And that was the Penn state game where um, at what, like the eight minute mark Northwestern had a 10 point lead at home against a, you know, not great Penn state team that was um, 10 points down while making some crazy shots. Uh, they were pretty, you know, um, undersized lining up against Northwestern in the front court. Northwestern was doing well. And then it's like the entire Northwestern basketball apparatus went to sleep for eight minutes. And in those uh, waning eight minutes, Penn State outscored Northwestern 26 to 13 and won the game. And um, it was a stunning, it was a stunning loss. Um, but one that we've seen so, so many times and was just like, I don't, I don't like he was asked in the postgame press conference, like why he stuck with his guys, didn't make any changes, didn't seem to make any adjustments to shift things um, uh, or why he stuck with his starters uh, in, in those, those eight minutes. And Chris Collins response was, well, those are our guys. We, and so like, 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 that that to me that's the that was the end of the Chris Collins era. I like I I I don't think there's any coming back from that, um, save some kind of miracle run by this team throughout the rest of the season. But it just feels like, as we've seen many times before from the men's basketball team, there's not enough uh, kind of in-game creativity, options off of options, um, and other teams by the time you know mid-January. February especially rolls around 
they've figured us out and uh, the wins are going to become pretty few and far between, even though this team has so much talent and potential um, and it's not going to be realized. So I like, that's a real pessimistic take on where we are with, with basketball, but I think it's, uh, I think it's a real one. Yeah. It's not pessimistic. It's just, we've all arrived here. It's been years. So, I mean, like this is where we are and, and you know, it seems if it seems early to be talking about regime regime change in the conference season, well, you know, don't don't bite us for having endured this exact same thing for four years and you know had it before, prior to this season, right? Like this is, it's it's all been, you know, being a fool, right? Is is what do they say? Like expecting the same, expecting a different result, doing the same thing, right? And that, that's insanity. insanity, 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 right? Well, being a fool, being insane. If you're, you know, it's all it's all the same right now for where this team is. But yes, <laughs> so it's like the the you know. We root for them. You know, we want the best for these guys, but it just, it's that malaise and feeling that we've all been down this road before. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's pessimistic, but I think it's it's a pretty good degree of realism too. But we got, we have women's hoops though. Um, and I think the, what the, the ladies took a, just took a loss to Ohio State, right? A good Ohio State team um, in their most recent game. But before that, that absolute Woo. barn burner Woo. in Iowa City. What a game. What a game. I mean, it was it, the the real thing that struck me in that game was both teams played so well in that game. And it's like if you went in expecting to get the Caitlin Clark experience, you got the Caitlin Clark experience and you also had Veronica Burton just dueling with her straight up and being like, this is you and me. We're going at this. Um, I'm going to give as good as I'm getting here. And you know, I think when it all kind of came down to it, at the end of the day, it was Burton that just put her team on her back and led her to victory. And again, like there's been, you know, there's been a loss since then, but that was, it was just such an absolutely epic performance in a big stage, you know, televised on the Big Ten Network and just a, a big time game. It was, um, it, and it was so awesome yeah. to see. I want, I want to highlight like the play by play briefly here. Um, but before I do, I think the overarching, element to me right now with the women's team is just consistency. Burton is there like virtually every night against Ohio state. You know, she didn't shoot as well, but she had 16 points and the rest of the team struggled to score. Um, this team starts three freshmen. There are going to be nights like the Ohio state game where they just, they just, they're still figuring it out. But, um, the ceiling that they displayed against Iowa was absolutely amazing. I think you saw Kaylee Walsh and the front court, uh, Courtney Shaw as well do an incredible job on, um, is it Monica Cezano, the center for Iowa, in uh, defending her and limiting her to a certain degree without fouling. It was a a huge, huge component of the fourth quarter and what Northwestern was able to do in that fourth quarter. Um, But Burton. So with, what like, I think it was with with about a minute left, Northwestern's up two, and uh, one of Iowa's defenders, you know, tries to trap Burton against the against the uh, the sideline, and um, you know, at best, maybe, 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 maybe gets like a slight brush of contact from Burton's arm. To me, on the replays, it looked like there was none. And a split seconds later, throws her heads back, her head back, and falls down, trying to sell like a like a uh, uh, an egregious um, elbow to the face or something. Um, this, all she did was make Veronica Burton mad. 
She, she, poked, so, she poked the bear. Yeah. <laughs> on the ensuing inbound pass, Burton draws another foul. And then on the inbound pass after that, Burton gets the ball, is up around the uh, the the top of the key, drives, like just, just blows past two Iowa defenders, gets fouled again. So she draws like three fouls in a row, um, hits both free throws to extend Northwestern's uh, lead from two to four. Go down to the other at the other end of the court, steal, <laughs> fouled again, two more free throws, back down to the other end, steal again. I mean, she 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 literally in the course of twenty seconds extended Northwestern's lead from two points to six. Um, stole the ball from Caitlin Clark once. Stole the ball from uh, actually maybe it was she stole it from Clark twice, and um, just ended the game. It, it, it was it was so dominant. Um, there were there were WNBA players watching yeah. the game um, who were texting afterwards, being like, "Oh wow, that's a WNBA yeah. player." And that was on top of you know twenty five points that she scored. Um, she had eight steals total in that game. I mean, it was it was it was an electric performance with, frankly, like a, a Jordan esque, you know, uh, domination in the most critical moment of of a tight game on the road against a really good team and and, you know, perfectly the number three player in all of women's college basketball right now in in Caitlin Clark and Burton just was incandescent. It was awesome. All right. So, um, anything else to mention before we get out of here tonight? Uh, I guess. I mean, I guess it's worth saying like tomorrow, Thursday, women play Rutgers. They host them. Should yep. have a good shot of winning. I guess we should mention right. Um, just do our part for anyone going to that game. Right. I think it, it's now you need to show a a vex. What what are the, what what is that? You need to show a vaccine card or proof of of um. What is it? I should know. I'm trying to. It's. It's show it's you show proof of vaccination, right? Or a recent negative test? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, proof of vaccination or a twenty-four uh negative PCR or rapid antigen test taken within twenty-four hours of the event. So, uh, yeah. so, so just remember that that's probably not going anywhere for any of the you know women's sports or men's sports or just indoor sports that you're going out to see this this winter or probably into the early spring. So just uh, be aware of, of those reg- uh, regulations. We kind of put out Northwestern, you know, it, in keeping with our earlier theme of, of uh, being innovators here. How about some Northwestern swag? I could use like a nice protective case, Northwestern protective case for my vaccination card, you know, um, nice purple, maybe a little lanyard for it or something like that. Come on. I could be all <laughs> about that. Give those away. It's just one more reason to go watch uh, our, our women's basketball team. All right. Well, happy 2022, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, oh. Starting the season off with a bummer, but, uh, you know, that, that, that's what we're here to do. I mean, we're, we call it the way we see it. And yes, we are positive most of the time. And, you know, when there's, you know, when we see something that we need to call out, we're going to call it out. You know, we try not to pull our punches. Um, but again, if, if you, you know, if you want to engage us, please do. Uh, at Westlaw Pirates on Twitter, um, WestlawPirates at gmail.com is our email address. Uh, reach out to us, yeah, hit us up, and you know, let us know what you're thinking, uh, because that that is how we keep it going is by engaging with you guys. Uh, another really great thing to do would uh, tell a friend, you know, share us with someone who maybe hasn't heard us before. Um, 
rate us on Apple Podcasts. That really helps a lot as far as like their search algorithm. Um, so yeah, if you can give us a, a five star rating, shoot, you know, hit us with a review. That really, really helps um, get get the word out for what we're doing. So uh, we really appreciate everyone who's done that already. And uh, if you haven't, take a second and uh, you know, give us a five star. We'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. You I mean you guys really are. It, it should be said, right, that like so much of our listening audience carried us through last football season and kept us going. And uh, so we welcome you all to 2022. And yeah, keep keep carrying us. Keep um, yeah interacting with us. And uh, yeah, we uh, we look forward to working with all you guys uh, going forward. So we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlawpirates. And our email address, once again, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.